Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Hackettstown, New Jersey. And hopefully, the sound of my voice has things going well for you in your operation, in your life, and in everything else. I got to start off today by giving two pins in my map to listeners. And if you don't know what this is about, I repeat it all the time. So if you heard it before and you didn't send me a pin in my map, then I ask you to please do so. What I want to do is reach out to my audience and find out where you're listening from. And then I put a pin in my map. And if you want to tell me a little bit about what your operation is, that's fine. If you don't want to, that's fine also. And for doing that, I put you into the contest to win a free USA-made hot rod farmer license plate. And I've been giving away Well, two license plates every week, but today I'm not going to give away one. I'm just going to collect the pins. And what do you say? What do I want a pin in my map for? Well, that is so I could better create content that fits your operation and your needs. If I know where you're listening from, a little bit about what you do, then I could say, I could tailor my content. And then also you get your name announced on the radio show and on my podcast, Idle Chatter which is on my website or any other podcast hosting site, site, and then you get into the contest. So to, so to this, this week, I was going to say today, but this was well, today's show, but this week I was blessed with two pins in my map. And the one pin is from Mr. Mark Bray, and he actually heard me on the Ag PhD radio show. I was on there a couple of weeks ago, and he is a long-distance truck driver. And it's from Destinations Unknown. So my pin, I just stuck my pin in Interstate 80 in the middle of Nebraska. Not that he's from there. And uh, I have to find out where he is from. And then also, Mr. Rob Miller. And Mr. Miller listens from La Center, Washington. And I never heard of that town before. And when I put the pin in my map at La Center, I would say with my New Jersey directions, right? Uh northeast of portland so uh it seems to be like a little bit on an angle north and east of portland from what i could glean from my map so that's lost center so mr bray and mr miller i want to thank you so much for listening and you know we always get together here on sirius xm rural radio channel 147 every saturday at 11 a.m with an encore presentation sunday at 6 p.m and also you could find every episode a week after it airs on rural radio as a podcast in its entirety on my website farmmachinerydigest.com just click on the tab that says fmd radio or on any major podcasting hosting site i guess they're all major sites right who knows but uh but the Farm Machinery Digest Radio, by God's grace, is out there all over the place, all right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, on this week's show, we're going to talk about something that is a, that is a little bit different. Uh, I guess every week is a little bit different. That's when you're dealing with this guy from New Jersey, right? But, you know, in the agricultural community, there's a saying, and we're all guilty of it, is that we always did it that way. And I've said this before on my show, as that when my father was alive, we killed our soil, we killed our farm, we would mold, board, plow it continuously, forget about it, I'm not going to go through that drill again. And sadly, not until he passed away was I able to go on a quest to 
uh, fix our soil. And I didn't know what was wrong with it, but I knew it was broken. So it's like a piece of machinery. So I don't know what's wrong with it, but I don't start. Or the, the, the hay baler doesn't shoot any bales out of the back. Or the round baler, the gate doesn't open. And I don't know what's wrong, but it's not working, right? But now, so we all suffered from, we always did it this way. But in the engineering community, we have a version of that. You get a bunch of engineers together, forget about it. For the most part, they're a bunch of crybabies, right? And the thing is that there's a saying, N-I-H, not invented here. And you'll you'll come up with something, or you'll come up with an idea or a concept of a des- or a design, and you go into a meeting with it because everything is done by committee, right? This is 2022, even back years ago, it's done by committee, and rightfully so because they're big companies. You have to get different opinions. It's not a one-man band. And then you'll always have a bunch of guys that'll just just shoot it down. And I always tell people when I have, I'm in a position like that, I said, take a shotgun to it. Take a shotgun to my idea. Take a shotgun to my concept, to my, to my design. And let's see if withstands the shotgun. But you get these people and ah, it's no good. I don't like it. Well, why don't you like it? Uh, I don't like it. It's no good. And, I, and you know that there's certain people within your engineering community and you'll know who they are before you present something. And they'll say it's not any good. They don't know anything about it. And what we call that NIH, not invented here. And I'm sure you have some not invented here on your farm or ranch. And and God bless us all. My dad was that way. I said, Dad, hey, why don't we do this? Right? I was a young, enthusiastic guy. That's not going to work. Why isn't it going to work? All right. So, so they never give you a reason why it doesn't work. They just tell you it's not going to work. All right. So... The thing is that on today's show, I'm going to explain to you why you should not warm up an engine. All right. And I'm not, and it's not, and I know there's NIH guys out there not invented here. We always warmed up our engines. So I'm going to, but I am going to prove to you why you should not warm it up. All right. And that's what we are going to discuss right after the break. And never forget, agriculture runs on machinery, but profit. Run on reliability. Sirius XM's Rural Radio. Get your weekly dose of the great outdoors. Hunting and fishing and the shooting sports. Western sports. An incredible ride you will have to see to believe. And agriculture. Real Ag Radio, your home for insight and analysis of the issues that are impacting your farm business. I'm Rob Sharkey of Shark Farmer Radio. There's so much to learn from the great people of agriculture. Rural Radio is your home for the ag industry and western sports. Sirius XM 147 and on the SXM app. Walk right in the woods. I'm Scott Linden out and about saving your feet and the rest of your body. If hiking is a pain, you may not be using your feet right and they have a lot to do with how the rest of your body functions. If you're only using part of that musculoskeletal structure in your feet, your body overcompensates and you end up the day in need of a hot tub, pain reliever, or worse. But there's an easy way to get off on the right foot. Walk backwards once in a while. It causes you to use all the muscles of your feet and lower legs through the entire range of motion required for comfortable forward walking. When you turn around, you'll hike, climb, even fish more comfortably. It looks funny, but walking backwards gets your feet headed in the right direction. Just watch where you're going. 
We're made possible by Ringneck Nation, your wild bird headquarters. Hunt HuronSD.com. Rural Radio is the first and only national radio channel serving rural Americans on Sirius XM. Nowhere else on radio can you catch Western sports every single day, making Rural Radio the undisputed leader for Western sports coverage. Between our coverage and downloading the Cowboy Channel Plus app, you'll have access to any major Western sports news and events 24-7. Rural Radio Channel 147, the agribusiness and Western lifestyle channel. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm your host, Ray Bohax. I just realized during the break that I may not have explained NIH too clearly to you. I knew what I wanted to say, but if you're new to this term, you would understand. The here is not here in the building. It's if you point to your head. So that engineer says it's not invented here, and he's, I mean, he's not pointing to his head. But what he means is that he didn't think of it. So it's not any good because he didn't think of it. So the here means here inside that guy's head or that girl's head. So that's what NIH means. So now we're going to talk about not warming up an engine. And I've spoken about this subject, this topic on my podcast. I think I even spoke about it on this show maybe early on last year, year and a half ago. January will be two years that Farm Machinery Digest Radio is on the air, and I'm blessed that it's been on for two years. And without doubt, I get I get a, a bunch of correspondences. So if you want to, you want to yell at me, you want to disagree with me, you want to agree with me. Usually on this topic, they they disagree me disagree with me. So it's hot rod farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com. And they say, well, I live in Montana, or I live in Saskatchewan, or I live up in Alaska, and we got to warm up our engines. You don't know what you're talking about down there in Jersey. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a different approach because we're getting into the colder weather in most of the listening area, except if you live down in Texas or Florida or Arizona. But there's parts that can get cold also, relatively speaking. And I'm going to have you debunk or answer your own or answer your own objections. All right. So we're going to have you do reverse NIH. You're gonna you're gonna uh, figure out why you should not warm up an engine. I'm not going to tell you why. You're going to figure it out with the way I'm going to present the topic. Well, let me ask you something. What's the most important thing with any piece of machinery? And obviously, you don't know where my thought process is going, so I will I will give you the answer. And it is for it to last, right? You want to have a lot of hours on your tractor, on your combine. You want to have a lot of hours on the bearings, the bearings in the header. You want to have a lot of miles on your truck. You want to have a lot of hours on your grain dryer, right? So the thing is that the whole idea is you want something to last. And if you want it to last, right... What do you need to do to want it to, to have it last? Well, you need to maintain it, obviously, whatever that may be application specific, whether it's greasing it or changing the oil or, or, or tuning it up or tightening chains, whatever it may be, right? So you need to maintain it. And what you also need to do, right, if you break this down to the ridiculous, 
to have something last. So we'll say a truck, for instance, right? Or a farm tractor, whatever you want, a lawnmower, whatever you want it to be, right? So we'll say a truck because every farmer has a truck. They have grain trucks, they have semis, they have uh, pickup trucks, what have you. But this is not this is not dedicated to a truck. It's just it's just as important with a tractor or a combine or a sprayer or any piece of equipment with an engine, right? So. The thing is that if you want it to last, what do you have to do? Minimize the wear, right? Simple, right? So the whole idea basically is that we have, we have two goals right now. We want this piece of machinery that we invested in to last. And then how do you make it last? Well, by two, it's two ways. Number one, you maintain it and then you minimize the wear. But also, if you look at it, is that if you're maintaining it, what are you doing? You're minimizing the wear. So you don't want the rings to wear out. You don't want the bearings to wear out, the crankshaft to wear out, the seals, the turbocharger, the transmission, the differential, right? Everything. The pump, you don't want it to, you don't want it to wear out. All right, so are you with me so far? Do you agree with me? Or somebody there on your phone typing me a nasty letter saying, no, 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 I want it to wear out so I buy a new one. I don't think I'm being facetious. I don't think anybody is doing that at this particular point in the show. According to my soundboard, we're only four minutes and 35 seconds into this segment. You got a little bit of time yet to write those nasty. I'll write them afterwards, after the show is done. So this way you have all your ammunition. All right. So the thing that needs to be recognized is that if we want the machine, the engine to last, then the entire machine to last, we have to, main, we have to minimize its wear. So let's take maintenance off the table. I mean, maintenance is, is so important like anything in life, but I think everybody agrees that things should be maintained, right? And I don't mean maintained on the back of a flatbed going or a tow truck going to the dealership or the repair shop or the tractor going to the implant to the tractor dealer because you didn't maintain it. So maintenance should not be done on the back of a tow truck or a flatbed, all right? Or in the middle of the field when it conks out. So we'll, we'll, we'll say that there's no arguments with that. So now we want to minimize the wear, all right? Well, I'm going to share with you a fact because you may not be aware of this fact that there is an exponential amount of wear on an engine, any type of engine, whether it's a one-cylinder Briggs and Stratton on a seed tender or a, or a big Detroit diesel in a semi or, or anything, or anything in between, all right? So there is an exponential amount of wear on an engine when it is cold, all right, so, and we with with and what we mean by cold is we're talking about the liquid temperature and the oil temperature, but specifically the liquid temperature. So there's cold, and cold is identified in the community, engineering community. All right, NIH not invented here. Cold is identified as am, as any temperature below operating temperature at ambient temperature so when the when the coolant the engine block everything is at ambient temperature ambient temperature in the arizona desert may be 110 degrees so that's a cold engine because the engine normally operates let's say at 220 degrees or you could be up in saskatchewan or manitoba and minus 45 f all right and that's cold also so the thing is that this is different there's different degrees of cold but that doesn't really make any difference for what we're talking about here because we want to minimize wear and then there's also what is called the intermediate stage and the intermediate stage is 
somewhere between cold and and hot. And I, and I shouldn't say hot because we use that term and I just use it, but it means off operating temperature. So let's say operating temperature is 200 degrees and you're at 140. Well, that's called 130. That's called the intermediate state. So you're not, you're not at ambient temperature and you're not at fully warm. And then there's the operating temperature, all right? So there is an exponential amount of wear when an engine is running and it's cold, all right, that's a known fact, all right, regardless whether it's gasoline, diesel, air-cooled, whatever it may be, one cylinder, 12 cylinders, it makes no difference. And why is there, in simplistic terms, why is there an exponential amount of wear? Because all the tolerances are tightened up when it's cold, and the oil is not flowing to lubricate everything to its fullest ability. We'll leave it at that. We're not going to make this overly complicated, Okay. So we have, so as the engine starts to warm and build temperature, the amount of wear decreases. And the wear is in the piston rings, the cylinder wall, the bearings, the valve train, everything, but specifically the piston rings and cylinder wall. All right. But everything else is wearing exponentially higher. Is it 10x, 20x, 30x? I'm not going to tell you that. All right. For the simple reason being, every engine is a little bit different, but I'll share with you something from about 35 years ago. Now, granted, 35 years ago, a lot of things were different. Oils were different. Machinery was different. Everything was different. But a lot of people have 35-year tractors, and this is a valid number. Back about 35 years ago, 40 years ago in in the 1980s, there was a survey, not a survey, a research that was done, and I believe was done by International Harvester before they joined Case I, became Case IH, and they stated that regardless, it wasn't just their engines, that when an engine is cold, what does cold mean? Ambient temperature, all right, that there is 1,032% more wear in the engine than when it is at operating temperature. 1,032%, all right? So say 1,000, we'll round it, all right? For, for easy arithmetic, 1,000% more wear. And then as the engine warms, that goes down from maybe 1,000 to 700. It doesn't go down one point with each temperature. It's, it goes down in big in big steps, all right? So 1,000% more wear. So that's, all right, oils are different. Machining process is different. Materials are different. So let's cut that in half, 500%. I would, I would say that's a good number, 500%, that when an engine is cold, there's 500%. And if you have some older equipment, over 1,000%, whatever number you want, makes no difference to me, all right? But it's a substantial, substantial amount of wear that is greater than when it is operating temperature, okay so that's a fact look it up all right so now so we're following our theme so we want to minimize wear so this piece of equipment lasts the longest all right and we're going to minimize the wear and then what happens is that we're going to try to accelerate the warm-up process because if we could accelerate the warm-up process then we're minimizing the wear we're coming down from that 500,000 and like I said it's not it's not linear where it's going to go and it's going to ramp down at one particular point let's say at the intermediate stage that the the excess of wear may be only five percent and as you get to operating temperature it gets to to it's no it's no excessive wear when I mean zero percent zero percent meaning that there's not any wear there's no wear above the normal wear all right so how do you get this engine to 
get to operating temperature as quickly as possible or at least transition into into the intermediate stage. Well, when you let an engine idle, buddy, the amount of fuel that's going through it and the amount of heat that is generated is very, very low. I don't care whether it's a diesel or a gas engine, makes no difference. All right? The thing is the amount of heat. So it's heat, it's temper, delta, change in temperature is very slow. So I'm going to make up numbers and say, okay, let's say arguably it takes this diesel engine or this gas or whatever, this engine, to get up to, it's, it's 20 degrees outside Fahrenheit plus, and it takes five, seven minutes of idling to get from 20 degrees temperature to 120 degrees intermediate stage. All right, so, so so during those seven minutes, we have excessive wear. Okay, whatever the number may be, I'm repeating it, excessive wear. Now, if we took that engine, let's say it's in a truck, a pickup truck, and you started to drive it away, and I'm saying drive, but the key is you have to drive it away gently. You don't get out and mat the thing, and get out onto the two-lane with it, all right? You drive it away gently because you're putting the engine under load, a slight load, is that you're going to accelerate its warm-up. So you're going to decrease the amount of time that there's excessive wear, and as if you decrease the amount of time that there is excessive wear, then this engine is going to last longer. So you may say to me, well, I'm up in Saskatchewan. It's minus 40F. All right. So you start the engine. You wait for it to stop making funny noises, which may be 10 or 20, 30 seconds. I'm not saying you have to do it like a drag race and start it up and leave 10 or 20, 30 seconds. If it's an automatic, you put it into gear. You wait for the transmission to be slow going into gear. You wait for it to tug into gear slightly, and then you drive it away slowly. And you will be surprised what a difference it will make in the life of your engine if you're the type of guy who says well i get rid of it i get rid of a piece of equipment i lease it and i get rid of it every two or three years and i don't give it on well the thing basically is that's your prerogative right because you're not going to keep it but my attitude is as a christian that i feel i have to honor whatever the lord has blessed me with even if it's through a lease so if i have a leased vehicle i've had a couple of leased vehicles in my life or a leased piece of equipment which i never had or if i have a rent or something i take care of it as if it were my own because i'm not taking care of it for the leasing company i'm taking care of it to honor the lord because he blessed me with this but now we answered your own question so if you want to minimize the wear what you basically do is you accelerate the warm-up process. How do you accelerate the warm-up process? Very, very simply by driving or putting the piece of farm equipment, whatever it is, under a light load. And the word is light load. And you'll see the temperature will come up so much quicker. And when you watch that temperature gauge come up, don't look at the cooling temperature. Look at it and go 1,000%, 500%, 800%, 600%, 200%, and when the temperature is up, there will be an exponential amount of less wear on that engine. This Iowa Minute is brought to you by the Iowa Farm Bureau. Three times as much for an organic yam versus a conventional one. Whatever your choice, Iowa farmers are happy to grow it. But 12% of Iowans can't afford your choice. They turn to food banks. We're serving 42 different communities in 12 counties in the north central Iowa area. Anywhere from 16 to 1,900 people each month. 
The Cerro Gordo County Farm Bureau is happy to do its part. Farmers know their job to feed people requires work in and out of the field. We all realize that there are people in the community that cannot afford the groceries that they need, and we're all big supporters. Farm Bureau is always always pretty involved. The Hawkeye Harvest Food Bank and other food banks around the state are in critical need of donations. To see how you can do your part, check out the Iowa Food Bank Association website, iowafba.org. With your Iowa Minute, I'm Lori Johns. The necessities of life, food, water, shelter. And your favorite radio hosts, this is Jeff Tigger Earhart. And Rebecca Warner, a.k.a. Beck. Beck. Join us every week right here for the Ranch It Up radio show. And the Bend radio show. We talk cattle, market, sale barn reports, news. Cooking, lifestyle, outdoors, recreation. And everything in between. And there's a lot in between. Ranch It Up. And the Bend. This is Jimmy Scherer with a reminder to join me for the Saturday Night Polka Party. That's Saturdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 Central. They repeat that same show every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern right here on Channel 147 World Radio. It's a great way to start your week off. It's a Saturday Night Polka Party. Saturdays at 6 Eastern, again on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Channel 147 World Radio. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I also want to touch on briefly, when you let an engine idle, if you don't even want to listen to me, forget about it. You say, the heck with that guy. I'm not listening to that guy from Jersey. All right, the thing is that, so you let the engine run and idle. All right, you didn't warm up the transmission. You didn't warm up the bearings. You didn't warm up the clutch. Even an automatic transmission, the amount of heat transfer into that fluid when it's idling is minimal. All right, you didn't or you didn't warm up anything else but the engine. So you may have got to this. I started this thing a half hour ago. It's nice and toasty, warm, and then you get it and you go like the like the like a bat out of hell, right? And everything else is cold when you do it and you drive it under a slight load. You're warming everything up uniformly and if anybody's been to a drag race i'm talking quick to get this done anything they jack up the race car all right and they run the motor they run the transmission they spit they run it through through the gears to warm everything up uniformly they don't go through that trouble just to let the i let the engine idle because you're not warming up everything else all right so keep that in mind but now we're gonna have tex rubinowitz come on in tex and let this i'm gonna shut up All right, Texan, he's some Ripsaw Records. So now it's time to meet me in the farm shop. We've only got a minute or two here, all right? So this is Checking for Spark. You have not lived long enough if you never encountered a gasoline engine that does not want to run. This predicament requires the need to check for spark at a plug. Simple, right? Pull off the plug wire, hold it near ground, and crank the engine. Well, that's about as accurate as pushing on the sidewall of a tire to check for air pressure, buddy. To properly check an ignition system, you need to have a spark tester. It is a simple tool that resembles a spark plug, has an alligator clip attached for easy grounding, but the center electrode is deeply recessed into the porcelain insulator. The depth of the electrode loads the ignition coil to duplicate the plug arcing under compression in the cylinder. 
A weak coil will arc the plug in atmosphere, but not under compression. So I want to thank you so much all for listening, and I want you to know that the Hot Rod Farmer is pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher, and my beloved, beloved America. You have a blessed day, and you know, don't warm up those engines. Send me those nasty emails and tell me why I'm I'm wrong now that you've figured it out yourself. Bye-bye. It's certainly a privilege uh, to host this group of individuals and organizations working to tackle food and nutrition insecurity in our country. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack at USDA headquarters in Washington hosting a National Nutrition Security and Healthcare Summit. Most of the attendees either coming from the nutrition side of things or from the healthcare system side. Vilsack would like to see a better merger of the two since he says poor nutrition is the leading cause of death in this country. Many diseases could be prevented by better diets. But many doctors are not trained or paid to do diet-related screenings and insurance companies don't reimburse for them. But Vilsack says... We recognize the crucial importance of revising our national health care system to one that not only treats disease, but as importantly prevents it from happening in the first place. He says it's a big job, but many medical organizations are getting on board with the food as medicine movement. Other groups, private and government, are working on improving food access. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. All across our great nation, border to border, coast to coast, on farms and ranches, and in cities and towns, too, people talk about rural radio. They really love this channel. Hi, this is Max Armstrong, hoping you'll tell your friends there's a great place they can call their radio home. And where they can join me for this week in agribusiness, both Saturday and Sunday mornings at 8 Eastern. I hope you'll be here on Rural Radio, exclusively on Sirius XM 147. The Rural Evening News, the only primetime newscast that matters to rural America. The weather outlook for the coming days and Western sports in one jam-packed half hour. The Rural Evening News, weeknights at 7.30 Eastern. On Rural Radio, Channel 147, the Agribusiness and Western Lifestyle Channel. I'm Chase Hydebrader from Fort Branch, Indiana, and I listen to Rural Radio, Channel 147 on Sirius XM.